Okay, well, today, um, I think last week at the end I said, you know, if you wanted to read ahead, please do, because after I thought about it, I think, I think we just move ahead. So we're going to talk about technology today, idle technology. And I just, I, wrote, I just followed the book and simply wrote down some, well, a few quotes from the book and then a few questions and some notes, because, uh, you know, we've done a pretty good job of discussing, um, you know, and I'll offer my two cents. Uh, okay, so first of all, the idol of technology, she, uh, technology is probably too general of a word for this chapter. It was pretty specific. Um, I mean, because what is technology? Just kind of, if you were asking anybody off the, the street, what is technology? Yeah, right. So, I mean, here we go. There's a bit of technology. The microphone is technology. Industrial revolution. We all drove here in technology. Yeah, so, um, so part of this chapter, we have to, uh, you know, I think this is important because what we kind of take for granted is actually, you know, technology. Um, you know, like the car, for instance. And even though she didn't really talk about that, 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 kept a, that was in the back of my mind the entire time. Is that, uh, so I, my little sub-note there is Amish versus Silicon Valley. <laughs> so, well, and, and so, you know, if, I mean, has anybody ever been to Shipshawani, Indiana? All right, fantastic. Now, um, that's an Amish community in Indiana. It's like, yeah, it, it's, it's like second to Lancaster County in Pennsylvania, probably, in terms of Amish. Yeah, I, I, hey, I love the Amish. They, they, they uh, roofed our house in Fort Wayne, Indiana for a very reasonable price. Done, yeah, I mean, it, was, uh, it was great, so... But um, part, of, part, of the, part of the interesting thing, so yeah, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the experience with the roofers, is that um, the Amish aren't necessarily against technology, but they have a very hard stance against technology kind of running their lives. I think that's probably a fair way to say it. Uh, obviously, we all know, like, hey, they don't have electricity, or they don't drive, or, you know, kind of these touch points in our minds about the Amish, if you see them. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So the buggy is a form of technology. I mean, it's all, it's, so, it's, it's, so anyways, but that, that, that kind of frame of mind is, is kind of what I think they're kind of all about. But, um, and I, I forgot the Amish television show. I don't know if it's still on. Yeah, is that what it's called? Right, yeah. It's, uh, TL, it's either TLC or Discovery. Yeah, okay. I've never watched it, so anyways, um, that's right, that's probably right. They would be against me watching it. No, but it, it's important, though, because, again, I, I think about this often, like, with, I, I should, not so much anymore, but I used to. Uh, the car, for instance. The car, the automobile. Uh, you know, if you read any kind of sociology or anthropology books, the car, I mean, the 1950s was a kind of a technological shift in our lives. And I use technology kind of in a very, very general aspect. But 
that was kind of the decade where the car took over our lives, theoretically. It's the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the interstates were being built. Mass transit was, you know, going away from trains into just vehicles. After World War II, the rise of suburbs. I mean, we, we live in a suburb. But why do we live here? Because we can, because we have a car. I mean, I mean, so anyways, it's so much part of our life we don't even think about it. So as she kind of discusses technology, her, her kind of last two pages was we have to think intentionally about technology and the way we use it and the way we integrate it in our lives. And so, but she was mainly about what? Internet, social media. I mean, those were kind of the two things. But I would say that the conversation's even farther back in cars and... Again, I'm not advocating Amish people, but I'm, symp I'm sympathetic towards it, so... I teasingly um, tell Holly that we could live off the grid. That would be awesome. I'd love to live off the grid. Which, if, for those who don't know what that means, I grow my own food. I, I don't. I don't have to use. I, I produce my own electricity. Yeah, I've checked in all this stuff. The one thing, though, that I really, really love in terms of modern technology, and I, I guess you guys do too. The greatest invention of, of all of human history is indoor plumbing. Yeah, with, uh, without indoor plumbing, it'd either be really stinky or really cold in your life. Oh, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, my, my father, yeah my, yeah, my dad lived on a farm. He told me all about it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I, that's why I say I love indoor plumbing. So I'm pro-technology. Just maybe not in the sense that she was writing in the book. Okay, I, I just lay that out because I, I want us all to kind of start thinking about that stuff. Because um, it really impacts our lives. And, I mean, with respect to the automobile, for instance, and suburbs, the most dramatic, I, I think it came home to roost finally, probably in the 90s and early 2000s, where you literally could leave your house, get into your car in your attached garage, go to work, go to your cubicle, after work, get into your car, go back in. I mean, you, you literally, the sense of community is fractured, huge. And, and I think you, we see the results of that where you have a, a large group of uh, younger people who are actually, you know, staying in the city. I mean, the rise of the cities and gentrification. Uh, I mean, for the be better or worse, um, Part of that, I think, has to do with the sense of community and the fact that these children have grown up in cars, basically. They live their life going from one place to another without interacting with anybody. So, anyways, Holly.
Right. With it? My community. Right. Oh, yeah, right. I love living in Wheaton, by the way. Again, I mean, I, I'm very, so I don't want to be like poo-poo suburbs. Cause I, lo- I love Wheaton. Although we just made a joke. We went to the kindergarten roundup last night, Holly and I, for Isaac. And we, we were walking out with two couples, and we jokingly said that we had to go to, like, we had to go to, like, I think I might have said this in, in this class before. If I have to go to Donata, that's too far. So I was, I was kind of struck by, I mean, I thought I, I thought I was kind of one of the only ones like that, but these two other couples were like, oh, yeah, like, forget it. Like, I mean, if, yeah, well, yeah, that was Walgreens was closed or something. They're like, oh, man, they got to go two more miles down the road to get to another Walgreens. And I was like, oh, I'm not the only one? That doesn't, that feels that way? So anyways, so, all right. All right, Katie. No, that's why I, that's why I'm really like, it's because, like, it's not one of those suburbs where, like, Right. In summertime, we walk a lot of places. Yeah, right. Farmers market or whatever. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I think Wheaton, in terms, like, uh, don't get too far off on this, is that the, uh, like the property values in Wheaton, I mean, relatively speaking, I know they all went down, but relatively speaking, compared to a lot of other communities, didn't go down that far, mainly because I think for that very thing is that Wheaton is kind of walkable. Actually, I mean, again, uh, there was, it was a great study done, I think this was two years ago or last year, with uh, kind of first-time home buyers, And the primary value going into buying a home is the walkability of a neighborhood. That was number one, and, and not the size of the house or what happens with the house. Well, exactly. I mean, you kind of hear a little bit of the echo in the marketing materials from people, right? Or, you know, if you read the real estate listings. Walk to the train. But none of that's true, though, right? I mean, some of these houses, you're like, I know that address. That's totally not. I mean, you got to walk like eight, ten blocks to the train. That's, that's not close to walking to the train. Yeah, up both ways in the snow the entire year. I've heard, I've heard that, too. You must have gone to the same, same school my dad went to. <laughs> Oh, okay, so anyways, all right, so, okay, but, but I find that funny, though, because my dad's generation is the same generation that drives everywhere. I don't get that. I'm like, yeah, we used to walk everywhere. I'm like, yeah, right, Dad, whatever. Yeah, but we lived out in the country, and that's the only way you got anywhere. That's right, with the car. I know. I heard it before. That's right. I know. I know. Right. Yeah, if you had an acre, that's a lot of property. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, and as Holly says, we all have our, like, whatever decisions we make, we have to face the consequences. I think it's important. And and, and the the chapter, she saves to the end, though, which is, like, it's like the last page, basically. Hey, uh, you know, we have to think Christianly about using the Internet. I mean, that's basically her kind of antidote to the idol of technology. Okay, that's, that's true. But... Um, helping us think through some of the consequences is important. So, um, yeah. Uh, anyways, so like, yes, I understand there's a different generation. However, there's consequences to every generation's living. And our tendency is always to bra- blame the other, the other generation, right? I mean, those kids these days. I mean, my parents, used to, my parents' generation, my grandparents said about me, and now I'm saying it about younger kids. I mean, it's just kind of a perpetual thing because... We all think we're great. So, all right. Uh, oh, all right. So the technology, what is its purpose? The purpose, obviously, is not to control us. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of the, the given. But technology's purpose is, you know, it's supposed to, I don't know. What, what's the purpose of technology? You make life easier, improve. Stefan, were you going to answer that question? Easier. Excellent. Enhanced life. Photograph. photograph, exactly. Yeah, I trust you on this one. I've heard of it. I've seen that scene, that's right. Yeah, oh, that's good, good job, yeah, excellent. All right, so anyways, so there's many uses to technology. Great. Excellent. I just want to make sure that we kind of keep that in frame of mind. Although life is easier, as always, that's, I think, a little bit of a slippery slope. Although I love indoor plumbing. Because <laughs> that makes my life a lot easier. And a lot more enjoyable. Okay. Indoor plumbing is the greatest human invention ever. Yeah, there we go. Oh, oh man, all of a sudden, man, we, we have all these lists of uh, essentials. Okay, so, um, uh, so she uh, introduces the uh, chapter with what does the idol of technology do to us? And again, she's pretty specific, even though she uses kind of the general term technology. Um, so the scenario she described, it shows that the Internet, particularly social media, serves I- our, our idolatry by assisting in our fascinated pseudo-engagement with others. Or more precisely, the Internet assists our obsessed engagement with ourselves by disguising it as a fascination with others who, either by offering opposition or validation, keeps us fixated on the self. Well, yeah, well, again, yeah, we, we talked a little bit about this before when we talked about mirrors and windows. Um, but the... The uh, thing that I, I found that was kind of a little bit more hel- helpful and more specific is this, as we engage with others, theoretically speaking, I mean, you, I feel like you really have to prove you're actually engaging with others, um, is the point where the, it offering opposition or validation, like this, this whole thing. And she actually brings this up later in the chapter 
where she and I don't I don't I don't know if she was offering it as like a good thing or kind of like a like a real thing where she uh, when she writes for the internet or on the internet her uh, comments comments box she keeps open and she needs to read how she's not so great every now and then to keep her grounded I, I, that's horrible, I feel like. Because, um, uh, she must be a pretty strong person because I heard someone ranting about Well, and, and but part of that thing, though, is, is that I feel like she kind of she kind of conflicts with what she just says here, is that maybe she doesn't consider it a fascination, but if I keep myself grounded by other people's criticism, I mean, think about that worldview right there. Like the only way I can face truth and level-headedness is through kind of, yeah, condemnation and kind of nastiness. And I, I don't think she was literally saying that, but it's still, I think, there, that whole idea that I don't want to get a big head, so it's good that people tell me that I suck. Work. Right, yeah, right. What she does, so most likely none of us are getting that kind of criticism. Hopefully not. Like from regular community. Right. Well, I, 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 yeah, again, I think social media does, though. In fact, I heard this word of Twitter thugs. And I think it was kind of a general term where, like, people use Facebook, post something. Okay, what does that even mean? Uh, you know, they, they, they write a little uh, blurb about like, hey, join lunch. And then someone says, you know, this is stupid. Why do you put this on here? I mean, people can do that. Or you, you post a photo and someone says something nasty about the photo. Uh, or, you know, you post something. Obviously, the Twitter thug is in reference to something posted on Twitter. Again, I'm assuming everybody knows what Twitter is, right? Okay. Just want to make sure. Tweets, Twitter tweets. I don't have Twitter, and I do not have Facebook. Yeah, uh, actually, I, I think Facebook is the only for the older people now. Instagram, I think, is like the the newer dealio. Oh yeah, Snapchat. Thank you. That was the other one. I didn't put that in here. But I had to check with Pastor Bruzek because his, you know, his daughters live out in Silicon Valley. So I figure I got to, okay, not literally in Silicon Valley, but in the region of Silicon Well, Elaine lives in Palo Alto, which is fairly close to Silicon Valley. Um, the, uh, uh, and Claire lives in San Francisco. Technically not. Oh, my word. Um, it's exactly. It's out there, out west, somewhere. And anyway, so I, I asked Pastor Bruzek. He's like, oh, yep, yep, uh, Instagram, Snapchat. Snapchat, for those who don't know what it is, is like a conversation that goes away after a certain amount of time. Or instantly, I think. So it's not like, there's not a trail. You set the time. Oh, you set the time. Right. Which, now I don't want to be too cynical, but when I heard that from Pastor Ruzik, I'm like, well, why would you do that? Like, what's that? 
What is that? People pick stuff up and then it goes all over the place. Okay. Got it. And now the, if you're going to jobs, Facebook, you can post on Facebook and be seen by anybody. That's right. And, and yourself if you're not careful. All right, so this goes to a good question then um, in terms of like how we, okay, so why, uh, all right, so as we utilize the internet and social media, she says that regardless if we are interacting with people, we interact with people with the end result of having to come back upon us. I don't know if that's true or not because... I used to have Facebook, but I don't anymore. So anyways, I think, though, the, if it's true or not, that, that's a good question. But what she then follows up with is that it's a cunning idol. It's, a, it's such a cunning thing that it seems so passive. So like it just becomes part of what we do, and we're not even aware of what we're doing. And so um, the ultimate form, I think, is there's, if you... I heard this on NPR about web junkies. There is a little documentary about rehab clinics in China that treat internet addiction. It's, it's, a, it's a clinical thing for them in China. It's not, I mean, it's not approved by the APA in the United States, but, um, but I think we might know, I don't know if you know, but I, mean, I know of young people or people younger than me who have had this kind of addictive behavior with uh, uh, video games, mainly mainly video games, but even uh, uh, web surfing. There was these great commercials uh, where uh, I forgot the name. It's the I can't remember what it was advertising, but people would start speaking as if they were searching the internet. So you're like you're on this one topic, you go to the next topic, go to the next topic, and so. I think Jason's dad might have this problem. Remember when you were dating? <laughs> I called during the time? Yes. To get the most abrupt conversation. It was like, hello, yes, I'll meet you then. Okay, bye. And then, yeah, Jason's dad at the dinner table, he'll be like, well, let's Google that. <laughs> 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 then I'll send him to another page and another page. That's right. So, you would never. Uh, when in doubt, Google it. All right, Shirley. I also found an interesting statement that caught me when she said that you should keep looking new forever. Yeah. And indulging in illusion that you too will last forever. So by this technology, it's something that yes, you can take for granted. Sure. But it's gonna it's it's gonna last forever for you too. Yeah, right. It goes along with the gods bit. I think that's right in the same section where, and I quoted that, on the internet we are in many ways like gods. Yeah, I, I, uh, it, it seems peculiar though. I, I think... But the place that in place of God. So yeah, right. Yeah, living digitally. I, I, I this is going to be, this is probably a hard chapter for me because I'm, I'm like, I don't want to say I'm anti-technology. Again, I love indoor plumbing. <laughs> But I am definitely not. No, not even. I'm, I'm not necessarily a non-techie. I just the social media bit for me has always been very peculiar. And so, like, I, I did have Facebook for a while, and I, and it took a certain sense. I feel like it was cool, but I, I I'm actually I'm like against Facebook. I mean, I'll just come out and say it. Okay, I'm one of those people. Um, but, and I know a lot of people who use it, and and I love those people. So 
I don't know, theoretically maybe I'm not completely against it, but I, uh, I, I'm always, I, just, I just struggle with it. I have a real struggle with social media. Yeah, right. I choose I choose not to communicate that way. Yeah, telephone like text messaging is another dealio. In fact, uh, I heard this again. This was along with this conversation with the the Twitter thug. Um, was oh, it was on dating, where somebody like uh, texts their girlfriend, boyfriend, their whatever. And the proper, the proper text back is, call me for the answer. I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. I like that. Because I will use that from now on. Because sometimes I just don't answer, period. And then I usually get another text like, did you get my previous text? <laughs> so then I call. So it's not it's, it's making me work here. Because they don't pick it up. Yep, exactly. So... <laughs> Anyways, yeah, because I, 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 I would like pushback, though, from people who, like, enjoy Facebook. Because for me, again, it's, it's so hard to relate to. Yeah. Anyways, Holly. Uh, just on Facebook, I like that I can see, you know, like, people I've lost stuff with. I can kind of see what they're up to and send them a message every once in a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, um, you know, you can you can answer people personally. Right. Or you can just post stuff and like pretend that the community that's on your friends list. Right. Is in a relationship with you. Right. And I, one friend in particular, it was like, you know, if you're not checking my Facebook page, then you're not my friend. You're not my friend. Yeah. Right. You're just not part of my community. Right. In real life, yep. Have a relationship. But on Facebook, if I, you know, sure. said something or liked something, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like, great. Yep. Like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that's, that's kind of my struggle, though, is, is uh, again, technology. I'm pro technology. So, like, how do you utilize social media without it creating what she says a lie or, 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 Something false. Yeah. You know, technology, when you talk about technology, technology would be on the, you know, you have the Bible. Mm-hmm. And you have the Bible on your cell phones or iPads. Yeah, right, sure. And now they tried to, they did that judge when they put their hand on the iPhone because they couldn't find, find a Bible. They couldn't find a Bible? No, I mean, really? It's a little poetic, though. I, I find that interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, the, well, that whole scenario is kind of peculiar, just in general. Putting your hand on the Bible when a you're not a Christian and b Jesus says let your yes be yes. But anyways, uh, the uh, but that is peculiar though. The whole iPhone business. That seems like that should be a movie. For like technology, that's a screenplay happening right there. Uh, Carol.
Oh, I, I'm. Ha- I, you mean like uh, you're you're like. <laughs> now that could be a positive thing in this chapter for me. So if you're a curmudgeon. Right. Yes. Ooh, okay. Right, right. Yeah, right. Okay, so, yeah. All right, so hang on. Yeah, Carol, I think, I think on a certain level you're absolutely right. But I think where you're wrong is that um, when you let people who either have... So, so part, part of having an editor is to make, to make the piece better. And typically the editor will offer not only criticism... But what's typically called positive criticism, where you actually say, "This is how you make it better." That, overall speaking, never happens in the comic box. I mean, uh, it could, but eventually. But, but yeah, so so yeah, so theoretically, I think you're right. Now, the other aspect too, though, is that when you allow people that a you do not know and you have no trusting relationship with, I would say that's a very dangerous thing to do because you never know. I mean, you never know what kind of uh, uh, purpose these criticisms serve. But I mean, just getting the point of, remember, this is a change. Yeah. And okay. The industrial oh, yeah, right. And look at that. I mean, we got fish are dead everywhere and people have black lung disease. This is great. I love the Industrial Revolution. Soot everywhere. Exactly. I always focus on the bad. I always focus on the bad, girl. Sorry, keep going, Kathy. Right. Yeah, so that's good though. It's right. Normal. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I, okay, so this is good though because oftentimes, so yeah, so hers is somewhat of a, a uh, kind of a specialized use of the internet in terms of work. But that's kind of the peculiar thing she also described was is that as much as this is her work, it is also what she does. I mean, like personally speaking. So that's where it kind of gets bollocked up, is that where you, you know, like in the newspaper, you write an editorial piece 
and you're you're presuming that people will what write into the editor right about such and such yada 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 you're you're exposing yourself to this what um what the social media allows though is a non work thing to be have the same exposure so now something that is kind of deeply personal is now criticized and when it's criticized how do you as a person understand that it's not about your work it's about it's about you right so that's where i kind of that's where i'm like that's where get things get kind of crazy because there's also a danger even with that presumption to put something personal on the internet i i think that's kind of strange mary Right. People say things that they would never say to a person that else to know. It's like driving in the car. I mean, I say things in the car. <laughs> <laughs> never say. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and the internet is very much like that. I, I Yeah, it's uh, yeah. They can say whatever they want. They can say whatever they want about other people. They can say right. anything. Yeah, wow. There's no repercussions because nobody knows who, who it is. Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, but I mean, so yeah, there's a bit of cowardness in doing something like that, right? I mean, to to like post something, especially if it's about other people. That's 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 terrible. Um, you know, but the thing is, is that like, so people like, why was this created? It's now there's two reasons, right? Because someone wants to do it uh, for the like. I mean, they think it's a good idea, but also they believe that other people would, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean. Yeah, you could do that all night. Yeah, there's also a uh, um, a presumption that you know it's totally anonymous, right? So you're going to be completely truthful. I, I don't think that's true. I don't. I think I think if it's completely anonymous, you can you can still lie as as you always do. <laughs> it's just that I think you're probably a little bit more calculating on the positive side if it's you know not anonymous, meaning. You know, you're gonna you're gonna say something, kind of considering the consequences. That doesn't necessarily mean you you speak the truth, but you're on a certain level kind of willing to face the consequences for the lie. Where the anonymity, you, I mean, you're just gonna lie, and who cares? And you can't. There's no way to go back. So oh yeah, it's out. It's out. Yeah, right. Why did you say this? Right. You know, this isn't true. Yeah. We need to fix it because you told me that. 
Right, right. Yeah. Confirm or deny the lie, and it's still there. Yeah. So, Mary brings up, it connects on a couple levels with the chapter, is that, um, obviously, it's a destruction of relationships. I mean, it it can. Uh, Now, on the the other side, too, though, in terms of relationships, it it can foster relationships, but it only fosters a certain kind of relationship. And I think that's probably the part that we got to get confused about is that it, uh, you can have a fine relationship on the Internet, but what is it? It is a Internet relationship. It is not a tangible relationship. It's, it's not. So it, it just will never be that way. I mean, just kind of, it just won't be, right? Um, so that is something that we have to kind of consider. Just keeping everything out in the open and saying, hey, I'm going to have this Facebook relationship with this person, but it will only ever be a Facebook friendship. And you can't attach certain motions to this Facebook relationship that are actually appropriate for a person-to-person relationship. So, uh, so that's kind of on the positive side. The, now, on the negative side, though, is, is when we bollocks that all up, in terms of the kind of, I think I probably kind of the incarnational, the f- tangible relationship with the digital relationship, and we start putting these together. That's where things, I think, kind of fall apart. Because we have this ability, as Mary says, to say whatever we want without kind of repercussions. Or, or repercussions that are, are kind of drastically different than a, a, a tangible relationship. So, um, and that's where I think that it destroys relationships. And the woman in, on pages six, 66 and 67, Scalia's friends, where she, she's ashamed of the way she relates to people on the internet. Um, she, uh, she says, it shames me because every time I'm talking to a person in person, all I'm thinking about is, getting back on the internet. So getting back to her stuff, which she kind of clarifies, getting back to her internet relationships. And how, again, that is something that's kind of uh, fundamentally wrong in terms of how we're created as people. Um, Especially when we talk about salvation in terms of what? Having a relationship. So, um, do we have to kind of, you know, think critically? Well, I'm sure he does. Yeah, just search it. It's great. Um, The test will be whether it's one is really really him. That would be kind of... Okay, um, so, but, but the part, part of this thing, though, in terms of... So, I mean, obviously, I, I bring out the negative. I've really been... I, I think at the very end, I, I say, oh, what are some of the ways to work with technology or to use it? I'm not the best person to ask. I would tend towards never using it socially. So, again, I, 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 I am not... I'm not against technology. I'm all about indoor plumbing. So, 
Again, I just, I just have a tough time with it in terms of uh, kind of socially. The other thing too, though, is um, this goes with the Twitter thugs bit. I found that kind of interesting is how when you, how you properly ground yourself. If it's through the negative, I feel that's fundamentally negative. That's wrong. Um, because if you don't have any like uh, if you don't have any skin in the game, then you probably you have no authority to criticize me. And having skin in the game, I would say, would be having a name attached to any kind of thing, statement. And then even more than that, though, because some people are willing to attach their name to it because they know that you can't really do anything to them. Part of it, too, though, is then if that's the case, then I'm not going to allow their comments, positively or negatively, really, to impact me because they have no skin in the game. Meaning that if you're just, so like, for instance, um, this might sound a little harsh, but um, when people tell me how to do my job, if they actually don't know anything about my job, then I'm not, I'm not going to listen to it. I mean, I'm just not going to do it. Because, I, I mean, it just, uh, that, that just kind of just doesn't make sense. Um, on the, I mean, so think about it this way. If I told you, this is where I'm always, like tomorrow, I'm speaking at the women's retreat. And I will confess once again, I am not a woman. <laughs> so, whatever I say, I don't take it with a grain of salt in a sense. I mean, as you apply to, to, uh, to, to, to your life as a woman. So if I told you how to be a woman, I mean, that's going to be difficult, right? Because I have no skin in that game, if you know what I mean. So, um, but, but that doesn't mean I, I, I don't, don't necessarily know, you know, truth. And that would be the flip side, too. If someone's going to tell me how to do my job, the person who is a pastor... I just kind of automatically, basically, they get a little bit better hearing in, in my mind, emotionally. But at the same time, someone who has a relationship with me, that's a different kind of level in terms of how I listen to them, too. But anyways, so it's a little complicated. But anyways, it, the point is, is having skin in the game really helps us interpret other people's words. Because um, I mentioned Brene Brown again. Brene Brown, if you haven't read her books, Daring Greatly. Katie, you read it, right? Uh, or you did you read the other one? All right, well, Daring Greatly, uh, that's her second book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, I would encourage, I, now I didn't read it closely, I basically skimmed it. Um, but she has a, the, the, she got this. Uh, Title Daring Greatly from a Theodore Roosevelt quote, where he, uh, you know, he's president. I've seen president gets a lot of criticism. Um, it's a great quote, basically. If you're not in the arena, I mean, if you're not engaged in things, then you you're just you're just a, you're a, you're barking at the moon. And uh, it's it's a great thing where he says. Um, it, it's, uh, I should have I actually, well, anyways, maybe I'll have it tomorrow at the women's retreat. So come to the women's retreat. It's a nice super long quote where he says that you obviously have to have skin in the arena 
also, the, it is so easy to criticize and, and it's so hard to build up. And it's better to enter into the arena and fail than to sit in the stands and criticize. Which it's, it's a great little quote, great story. I might bring it just because it has nothing to do with tomorrow's, or tomorrow's thing, because I think it's about encouraging each other in the faith. I think that's what the book is about, right? So, but anyways, she has a lot of nice things to say about encouraging, so you'll hear Brene Brown. If you were at last week's retreat, or last year's retreat, you heard a lot about Brene Brown, she will come back tomorrow. So, Holly. How do we know about Brene Brown? Oh, Brene Brown is... Uh, Oh. Oh, yeah. Good. All right. Thank you. Yes. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Good. So she she's got she's got a great great thing about how, um, because uh, when we we never understand ourselves as God understands us. This goes back to way back when when I said the only person who has the right to to tell you who you are is the one who created you. So so she. It's, it's kind of under this backdrop where technology, the internet and social media, so much of our identity comes from either this criticism or this validation, right? So I enter into the social media so that I can find out all these nice things that people say to me. I think the simplest from way back when I was in Facebook would be the happy birthday bit. Your birthday comes up and you want to know how many people said happy birthday to you. So you go on and check it out. And only five people said happy birthday to you. And what do you feel like? You feel like, yeah, because you have 400, 800 friends. <laughs> so you're allowing people to tell you who you are and what worth you have. On the flip side, though, if I got phone, five phone calls from people on my birthday, yeah, I'd, be, I'd be pretty good. First of all, five phone calls at nighttime? Like, let's get off the phone. I got, a, I, got, I got some cleaning dishes to do and putting the kids to bed. And Thank you very much, but let's keep going. All right, Holly. My point, though, about Renee Brown is that we all know about her because of social media. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, that's exactly right. We found her on yep. TED Talks, which is on NPR, which was on YouTube. Yep. Yeah, right. So this goes so this goes to the positive positive aspect of social media and I wouldn't say it's social though. This goes back to what Kathy had said earlier is that it's work related. So you have this kind of um, economic sphere. Like like when I when I go to a store, I don't expect the person selling me something to be my best friend. I don't expect that kind of relationship. Now, I know a lot of people kind of talk about that. Hey, sales is all about relationships. Okay, come on. Yeah, it's about making a buck. That's exactly right. Now, here's the thing, though, is that uh, I actually might say, I'm going to buy it from this guy because I like this guy. Right? Okay. Uh, but it is, it is in my best interest to actually do that. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. What am I actually buying? Not to get too much on a tangent now, but I'm buying this relationship. I want to maintain the, the quality of this relationship because I like this person. 
However, like when I go, like I think I mentioned this to Starbucks. I go to Starbucks, I, I just want my coffee. I pay my coffee. I'm, I hope it's a pleasant experience. I hope they get my order right. But that's all economics. So with respect to social media, if I enter into social media, I'm not entering it socially. I'm entering it you know, economically to find out information, to buy something. I mean, I, I buy stuff off the internet all the time. So, but again, I'm not, I'm not attaching any sort of real relationship to this. And that's where, again, so if Facebook is about selling me something, that's, that's fine, that's good. Um, let's just make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. Funny you should say that. That's what we read in chapel, John 17. In fact, turn it over on the second page. Much of this chapter has to do with where you belong, your locatedness. That's a Norman Nagel word. And I'm assuming you probably have heard Pastor Bruzek say that before. But so the question is, where do you belong? Without being mindful, we might wind up in a spot where we shouldn't be. So John 17, that's where we get in the world, of, uh, but not of the world. Jesus prays for his disciples because though they are not of the world, John chapter 1 talks about becoming sons of God or children of God. Not, not, of the, not born of uh, the will or of men, but of God. So they are, they are not of the world, they are of God. Oh, I wrote that down. Good, John 1, 12. Um, but they are living in the world. And, and Jesus actually says, like, that's the point. It, they are supposed to be in the world. So, um, but as they are in the world, Jesus has this primary place for them. Keep them in your name, which you have given me. If you're in chapel, it, it was, uh, he said that twice within like a sentence or two sentences. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, which means, you know, Jesus' name. Uh, and so that is the kind of locatedness of where we live and have our, our being, our identity. This is who we are. Paul talks about it being you are in Christ. You are now in Christ. The old has passed, the new has come. So, then, with respect to that, though, so if you are in Christ, then your world, if you want to talk about that, your reality is, is defined by who Jesus is. That also means your relationships. So your primary relationships are incarnated. Um, so that goes back to the comment about, you might have an internet relationship, that's great, but that's all it is. And I really mean that. It, that's all it is. There's actually something better. And it's, it's like giving a person a hug. I mean, shaking their hands. That is something that's, uh, that's the biblical worldview. Uh, which reminds me, the movie, Her. I'm thinking March 9th. We could have a movie day. I think I can get enough childcare workers to hang out with our children if you so choose. It's March 9th, probably. It's a Friday. It'd be a Friday. 
uh, uh, the Glen Art Theater, Glen Ellen Theater. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, March 7th. Thank you. Thank you. It's March 7th. March 7th. Forget March 9th. That's a Sunday. Yes. March 7th. Uh, yes, it would be a, it, it, there's like a 2 o'clock, I think it's a 2 o'clock showing, so I just have to work on people like Stefan and people who need a ride home from school, so that's the earliest they can do. But the guy, they weren't committal. Well, we only allow every week, you know, they, they say they only give one week in advance notice, so, so we'll find out. Uh, so the movie Her, I, I still, I mean, every clip I see of that movie, I think it's very applicable. All right, so the other thing too, though, is, is not only is our, our relationships tangible, but even our, our self-identification, and that goes with Jesus, because the identity of Jesus is really important in John. Um, John chapter 8, although it's, it's kind of throughout, it's all, all the way from the beginning when the Pharisees come up to John the Baptist in John chapter 1, because they, they mistake him for Jesus, or the Christ. Um, but John chapter 8, it comes to a head where Jesus says, I know where I came from and where I'm going. So, likewise, we know where we come from and we are going. So as we enter into kind of the social media world or our internet, we actually don't engage that for, for any kind of identity or support because we know where we come from. So we actually enter into that with a solid foundation of who we are. I mean, theoretically speaking. So yeah, we don't run to the internet to find out who we are, and we don't run to the internet to figure out where we're going, but we rather we run to Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty important. Anyways. All right, so work with your technology. I, I again, I'm not the best person to ask. Yeah. Social media. I really want to just stress that aspect. I just, um, yeah. But I'm also the guy who, I'm an introvert, so I can only handle one or two friends, and then that's <laughs> it's too much after that. So I have a double whammy in terms of, like, not the best person. There actually was a, uh, a, a nice, uh, she mentions uh, Brad Vogt, I think, in the chapter. Towards the end, it's V-O-G-H-T, I think. So I looked him up, and he, it, it, it's exactly like she describes, but he actually was part of a, a, an article. Of course, I Googled it. So um, he, he uh, again, I'm not against technology. I'm pro indoor plumbing. Is uh, uh, a little form between like three points of view on Christi like thinking Christianly about social media. And uh, he, re he basically echoes what she said in the book. So um, there's another guy. I think there was, it was three people uh, interviewed, two were Roman Catholics, and one was uh, an evangelical. And the two Roman Catholics, one was pro and one was anti, and then the, the evangelical was like, eh, there's good and bad in both. So it was... <laughs> said a lot of things. I don't know if it really came down. It, it left the reader to decide. So, um, so yeah, if you want to Google that, you, you could. Brad Boat. Check out his blog. Because I'm not, I'm not anti-technology. All right. 
Anyways, uh, since I am not the best person to talk about this, I think we're just going to keep moving on to the next chapter. Uh, and next week, though, we're, we're, it's cool and sex. And what we're going to do is only talk about cool. Uh, and for the sex part, um, I'm actually going to have a woman come and talk to you about that. Mainly because I'm not a woman. Uh, uh, well, anyways, I, I, I probably will... Yeah, anyways, I say that because I, I, when I read the book, my initial, my initial thoughts were uh, to create the, the safest environment. Because it's kind of a powerful chapter. I mean, there's pretty, some pretty hard stories as you read this. So Sandy Kahn, I asked Sandy Kahn to come and lead, facilitate discussions. Uh, we haven't worked out the details yet, so... Sandy Kahn's a parishioner. She's a, uh, a licensed therapist. Yep. Sandy, Sandy. We know Sandy, but we, yeah, exactly. I understand that. And trust me, I understand. I, yeah. Yeah, somebody asked me about a, a, a new parishioner. I was like, well, I don't know who that is. And then this person who asked me texted me back again. I'm not anti-social media, and said, oh, hey, who this is? And I'm like, oh, of course I know who this person is. I know their life story, but I did not know their last name. So. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, have a great day.